We had the kids not just sit with their parents, but they had a VIP kind of section right down the smack middle of the breakfast church. So they sat there, they sat as a group. Families were still around them, but just to see the people that attended the breakfast church just love on these kids and really start pouring into the kids when it came to Christmases or birthdays or different things like that. So that was a really interesting um, addition when we did the breakfast church and added children that way. Dinner Church is a simple and powerful approach to church where food, friendship, and the stories of Jesus are shared around a dinner table. New Dinner Church congregations are starting all over North America. The Dinner Church podcast is creating a space for conversation with Dinner Church pastors, leaders who are already a part of what God is doing through Dinner Church in North America. I'm Heather and I love Dinner Church. Although I serve at a thriving church, I felt the tug to get out of the regular Sunday morning routine to bring the good news of Jesus's kingdom to new places. Dinner Church has been a revolutionary experience for me, my team, and for our congregation. And I want you to get a glimpse of what is happening in this inspiring movement. Join us as we listen in and learn more about how to launch and lead a dinner church. Hey there, Dinner Church friends. On today's edition of the Dinner Church podcast, I spent some time talking to Amy McGlynn, who was an instrumental part of the original Eat, Pray, Love Dinner Church team here at Grace Church in North Fort Myers, Florida. Amy handled many of the logistics regarding children as well as the meal itself. I think you will find her perspective on these things and more to be very helpful in your own dinner church journey. Thanks for joining us today. This morning, I am so excited to have Amy McGlynn from Grace Church with me. Um, Amy has been instrumental in the Eat, Pray, Love Dinner Church movement that we have going on down here in Southwest Florida um, out of Grace Church. And so, Amy, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me this morning. I am so happy to be here. So, Amy has been with Eat, Pray, Love since the very beginning. Just recently, God has called her into a totally different ministry, and she's really loving that and thriving in that area. But I know that it would be worthwhile for us to talk with Amy today. For a lot of you, um, often we want a he- we hear that people want to just know all the nuts and bolts of, of the background of dinner church, how the logistics work, whether that be with children or with food and budget and those kinds of things. And so Amy's really going to be able to speak into that for us. So first, Amy, would you kind of just just tell us briefly how it is that you got involved with Dinner Church in the very beginning? Oh, absolutely. Well, um, I was at a church that was getting ready to close and I walked into the sanctuary and there was two people talking about this, this new thing that they were going to do. They were talking about going into a community center and serving dinner and bringing church. And I've kind of said, Hey, um, that sounds pretty cool. Can I be at the meeting? So I kind of invited myself. Yes, you did. (laughs) But it just seemed like something so different. Um, And I just, I had to see how this was going to work. All right. And so you came to that first meeting and what did you think? Okay, honestly, um, my first meeting there, I walked out, I brought my daughter with me and uh, we literally looked at each other and said, 
how is this going to work? <laughs> That's me she's talking about, by the way, that, that person that was talking about dinner church and starting one in, in our neighborhood. That it was you. Yes, it was you. And um, I was so concerned. They didn't talk about logistics of tablecloths or how things were going to go with the, the scheduling of it. So there was just so many different things that I was so used to being a planner thinking, okay, they're just going to walk in and um, they're just talking about loving on people and everything else will just happen. So I really had to see what happened next. So I was excited to go to the first one. All right. And we did launch that. That was Eat, Pray, Love Dinner Church, the very first site of Eat, Pray, Love in the second largest trailer park in the United States Mm -hmm. called Suncoast Estates. And that dinner church ran for seven years. Um, and we have all kinds of stories that we could we could tell. We could be here for days, actually. But Amy, we really want to focus in on the logistics, the how-to of dinner church um, in a couple of different areas, and then want to move into a little bit of storytelling um, for those people that want to know about that side of dinner church as well. And so, uh, first, let's talk about children. Um, and I'm just going to kind of let you talk. You know. Okay. You have been a part of several different um, expressions of dinner church in different contexts, different neighborhoods, and different community makeup. So why don't you just give us some examples? Sure. Um, When it came to children in the very first dinner church at Suncoast, we thought the best thing to do was just invite all the children there, have a children's program, and then Mm -hmm. have them included into dinner church. And that worked really well in the beginning. Um, It was a smaller group. And um, we had a lot of volunteers that came around that, but we found out that we weren't connecting well with the family as a whole. Um, Kids were just coming. We were connecting with them, but then it was kind of like we didn't have a sense of who their parents were or um, we wanted to really reach to families, not just to make it a kid's program. Right. So that last to be totally transparent. Yeah. We got overwhelmed. There was a we point did. where we had over 50 children. There were some behavior issues mm-hmm. that we couldn't really talk through with parents because we didn't even know who the parents were. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was one of those hard changes that we had to make. But we did decide to, um, if children were going to come, they were going to come as a family. Right. And we noticed um, that when the children came with their family, it was a sense of pride when they walked in, like, here's yeah. mom, or here's grandma, um, or just here's, you know, here's who's keeping me this week. But it really just showed just a sense of pride of what they had when they walked in. And it was just amazing to see how the families really felt um, welcome. They felt welcome walking into this space and knowing it just, you know, we were going to love on them as a whole, not just their kids. So we had Mm -hmm. got to do a lot more with moms and grandmas and guardians um, than just watching their kids for a couple of hours. Right. Right. So that was one instant. We um, also, we had a breakfast church uh, where we had kids involved as well. And that was, um, that was in Fort Myers. And it really was a cool different aspect as well because we had the kids not just sit with their parents, but they had a VIP kind of section yeah. right down the smack middle of um of the breakfast church. 
So they sat there, they sat as a group, families were still around them, but just to see the people that attended the breakfast church, just love on these kids Mm -hmm. and really start pouring into the kids when it came to Christmases or birthdays or different things like that. So that was a really interesting um, addition when we did the breakfast church and added children that way. Yeah. And just for some background, that was more of an urban community where we were holding breakfast church and it just really felt like all of a sudden we put this honor on these children. You know, they, they were at the center of the room and it didn't, we put them at tables that were kid sized tables and um, it, they, they just belonged there and it really worked out beautifully. And in fact, I think we did that at dinner too, didn't we? We did. We did yeah. for that. See, you know, the same area that we did, um, the breakfast church, we did it at dinner church as well. And the one thing that we always talk about is these kids are cog pals, they're child of God, persons of worth. And it really gave them a sense of being a cog pal. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Mm-hmm. All right. And then what about um, telling us, so there was Tammy and Whitney for quite a while mm-hmm. that would take the kids. Tell us what that looked like. So when we started doing the um, the Bible stories for the adults. At one point, we did have Tammy and Whitney, and they would pull the children out and do their own separate story with them. And the kids really got excited because it was something that was on their level, and they had um, different take homes that they can, you know, take show to their moms. They had little art projects, so it really did work. It's um, the hardest part with that was consistently having the volunteer base there to do it. But when they did come, it was really an, a great addition to dinner right. church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so um, I think what you can probably hear from Amy is that um, it's a lot of continual improvement approach, um, trial and error of different things that the context really matters. And so, Amy, what are some of those things that you would consider in in starting a dinner church? What are some of the things that you would need to consider as to how you're going to incorporate children into a dinner church experience? I, I think the first thing that you would want to consider is, is knowing... Um, knowing your neighborhood, knowing your area, listening to the needs of the people that are in that area. But if you're going to incorporate children, um, I, in my opinion, I think as a family as a whole, um, if you're, you know, you want to make sure that you're focusing on the family so you can truly focus on the children. And um, I just. Right. I often say that, you know, family dinner is something that has really fallen by the wayside in our country and in our neighborhoods. and so. Um, when we include the kids, it seems to um, kind of reinstate that as a as something important in the life of a family too. And I think so, that's something that we've talked about a lot, um, especially after our beginnings uh, with doing just a children's program. Right. Is you know how being around the table with family is is really important, and we right. saw that. Um, we saw that not just being around the table with families and their children mm-hmm. is um, having the additions of um, our volunteers to sit with them and listen to them and really get to know the needs of, you know, of each and every one of them. And right. And I would say, and I know this is a favorite memory of yours, specifically from our Trinity Eat, Pray, Love, um, to see the cross generational interaction um, I'm thinking about Mr. Mitchell yes. loving on the babies, Mr. Mitchell, who's now almost 90 years old mm-hmm. and 
um, and the memories that, that that kind of sparked when we think about that as well. So, oh yeah. my goodness, that it is definitely, it, it definitely plays into church. It does. Yeah. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about food because, you know, Amy and I have traveled quite a bit together going to other churches to help them figure out how they might start a dinner church. And I always kind of throw it to Amy when it comes to the questions about, which there always are, questions about budget and how we make the meal, where we make the meal and all of that. So um, walk us through that, Amy, the different things that we have done. According to different seasons of life and situations in in the world, really. Um, Well, there are several ways that food can be done um, with dinner churches. When we first started in Suncoast, we would purchase the food and we would cook on site. Um, They had a great kitchen. So we were able to just bring some cooks there. We would cook the food and then just serve the food from there. Um, That worked for a long time until. COVID hit. Yeah. And we... COVID, that nasty little word. That nasty, (laughs) nasty little word. And we really had to shift gears. We wanted Dinner Church to continue, obviously, in a totally different aspect. But we had to cook at the church, box up the food, bring it out, and then still, you know, be able to reach the people and hand them a nice warm meal. Yeah. And what did we find about COVID time? What happened when we started serving outside? When we started serving outside, uh, the the lines got really, really long, and mm-hmm. uh, the people just it wasn't. It was a time when they just needed to be listened to as well. So, right. uh, lots more stories. It was uh, just. It was just really, really different. The one thing that they missed is they missed being together. Um, it wasn't just about a free meal. It was church. So when COVID hit and we were only at some points able to give a meal, you could see the disappointment of what about sitting around the table and having conversation? Mm And oh my goodness, I miss hearing about your kids and your grandkids, Amy. And I missed hearing about what's happening in their lives. So it was, um, it was really eye-opening when COVID hit because it really solidified that this is church. This isn't a free meal. Um, This is what people want. And they come or they came on Thursday nights because that was their church. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit, November 9th through the 11th, 2023, in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet colleagues who become friends. You will eat really well. You'll worship heartily, and you'll learn tangible practices for building a Dinner Church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com slash summit. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we're talking about it, I remember too, that, you know, you talk about the lines were longer Mm -hmm. and what we found was it was almost like we had established the Eat, Pray, Love Dinner Church 
But now that we were meeting outside, there were all of these other neighbors who may have been apprehensive to actually come into the building to eat with us because they knew that there might be some talk about Jesus or, you know, or different things that would keep them that keep other people from coming into a a church on a Sunday morning. Um, And so I can remember talking to you and the other members of the team saying, it's almost like we have another thing to figure out. So how do we do church with these new people that won't come indoors, but will come to a tent, you know, to pick up food and art are just craving conversation um, and community with others, especially in a time like COVID. So, yeah. All right. So Amy, (laughs) dinner church, as you and I both know, is really about people and the way that God uses the community of dinner church to transform people. And so together, you and I have seen so many stories of transformation at Eat, Pray, Love. you know, would you just share with us about somebody, maybe one of your favorites where you saw a change over time because of dinner church? Absolutely. I think this is not just going to be my favorite, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) I bet I know who you're going to tell me. So um, from day one, um, one of my fondest memories is James. Um, We walked in on day one with James and this was this Cranky, mean, just came in, complained about everything, whether the corpse were on the right side or the left side. We were just talking too loud. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, James, he had a little, you know, he wasn't wasn't smelling so great, but he smelled like Jesus. He did smell like Jesus. <laughs> and you know, it was one of those things in the beginning, we're like, Oh, James, come on. We're trying here. Um, and then, you know, as the weeks went by, uh, James would come in a little bit earlier and all of a sudden he would start to say, Hey, can, can I, uh, can I help make some of the drinks? We're like, what? He, and he just jumped in. So his job was to make the lemonade and the tea and the water, but just him having that sense of purpose, that cranky and that just mean man, his the love that just was starting to come out of him, where instead of him going, oh my goodness, you're too loud, he would say, <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> or he would walk in, he's like, you're running late. Well, he was really saying, hello, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. But after he did that for so many years, and James turned out to be such an important person to eat, pray, love, sun coast. Um, his love that he had for you and he had for me, he would ask about our families and, um, he was just, I don't know. He changed my life. Yeah. Mine too. Um, it was one of those things where you don't think sometimes that you're judging and putting people in a certain peg or hole. At that, he broke the mold, man. He sure did. And he loved Jesus. And he loved coming to um, dinner church, his church, and he loved his job and his people. Yeah, I think that with James, um, this can make me emotional, but... (laughs) Me too. (laughs) James didn't experience a whole lot of love 
in his 60 whatever years of life. And then he made his way into that community center and he was loved on like never before. Um, and it, it's just an example of when people experience love, they want to give that away. And that's what we saw with James. And, um, you know, I volunteered because of dinner church, James made his way to heaven very easily in the last year. Um, so I can't wait for you and I and James to <laughs> be together again and laugh and whatever. But yeah, that, yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. I, I miss him and I know you do too. I do. I do. Yeah. Cool. All right. So the other thing I know is that, uh, dinner church brought about a change in you, Amy. <laughs> there was some transformation that happened in your life. Uh, really specifically related to dinner church. So kind of walk us through that. So, um, like I said, when, when I first heard about dinner church, um, I was coming from a church that was, was working at a church that was getting ready to close. And I was a preschool director. Didn't you again, nothing, um, nothing to dinner church was a big surprise to me. But when we started at Suncoast and I'm watching as, um, Heather, she was telling the Jesus stories and how it was really just resonating with the people that were there. And meeting after meeting that we would have to talk about dinner church, one day I just looked at Heather and I'm like, you know what? For so long, I feel like I lost my voice. And, um, and I know that I wanted to be more, impar- more of a part of dinner church than just the logistics of the food and the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was ready to dive in. And, um, I just wanted to find my voice again. And I did, um, Heather gave me the opportunity to do the Jesus stories and, you know, eventually take over Eat, Pray, Love, Suncoast. And it changed my life. Um, it, God put me in an area that just the people around me made me grow where I thought that I was making them grow. And I grew so much with my walk with Jesus. It was just amazing. It was amazing. And I did find my voice. You sure did. I'll never forget the first night when I came out there and um, heard you tell the Jesus story. And it was just so personal to you. And it was so beautiful. And and the people of Eat, Pray, Love were just kind of hanging on your every word. And what I saw, it was just this beautiful picture of transformation where um, some gifts in you had been pushed to the back burner for some time. And um, whether it was your cog pal, your child of God, person of worth identity had been hidden for some time. That's what I saw was somebody who understood their cog pal and was just ready, ready to fly. (laughs) And so I'm so grateful for that, um, that time in, in the life of Eat, Pray, Love and in the life of Amy McGlynn and Heather Evans and Wow. Yeah. So um, I want to circle back um, to some more logistical stuff because we didn't really get into um, the budgeting and the food ordering and that stuff. So um, talk to me about that. Um, how, how do we budget for Eat, Pray, Love here at Grace Church and what what works, what doesn't work? Just let us hear it. So um when we budget here at Grace Church, it is actually put into one of our line items, but we do um, accept donations that goes towards the food for Eat, Pray, Love. Um, we order weekly when it came to ordering the food so we can see that we were staying in budget. 
Yeah. What it was that budget number? Give them a number. Amy. Oh, so, so our, our budget number was $200 a week. <laughs> <laughs> we were serving up to 75, up to 75. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were serving up to 75 people for $200. And we wouldn't, I would say nine times out of 10 go below what our budget mm-hmm. was serving quality quality meals. Yes. So one of our mantras is that um, we always say that the meal should reflect the beauty of God's love. Therefore, we're not using um, leftovers. God's love is not a leftover. We we wouldn't take donations that had an out of date marking Mm -hmm. on them at all. Um, And really, we found it was easier just to manage it all ourselves with the funds that we had. We did. We did. And, you know, with those meals, it was, um, it was a complete meal. You would have a meat, you would have a potato or some kind of starch, um, salad, vegetable, and a dessert. Every meal has to have a dessert. Um, but we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just something, okay, here you go. Here's a hot dog every week. Um, we really, and it was not easy. We had to take time to think about what that menu was going to be because we didn't want to repeat in two weeks or three weeks. Um, right. So we um, we would just sit there and plan the menus out, go over them, see what works. And sometimes we would look at a meal and go, you know, that just wasn't visually appealing. We want yeah. to make sure um, that it is visually appealing as well. Yep. So um And it was important to us to have an abundance of that meal as well, uh, because what we were find, the people coming to dinner church were hungry people. And so often, most times they wouldn't just have the meal in front of them. They would have seconds and then many would take a meal to go. They would, they would. And, you know, in the beginning, they were nervous to ask for a meal to go. Um, So it was nice that we always did have an abundance to give them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but when it came to ordering, it was really good to know your budget, um, to plan ahead what you're going to have for dinner, not just for that week, but, you know, weeks in advance and just um, make sure that it's different. Okay. So where'd the food come from? Food came where'd from Sam's. Sam's, of course. It <laughs> <laughs> Walmart. Let's be yeah. real. Food yeah. came from Sam's. Uh, yeah. Probably the easiest thing that I found out about Sam's when it came to food ordering was just going online. And um, I didn't have to go shop for it. I could just go online and order it. And somebody would go pick it up and bring it to the church. Volunteer, right? right? Here. Mm-hmm. Um, it made it very easy. But it also gave that volunteer a sense of, I can't come to dinner church but I can right. do this. Yeah. So, uh, but right. it, between Sam's and Walmart, both have pickup orders that worked um, uh, very well. And you can really see your budget as you're spending and putting it in the car. Right. So give us some examples of the, the winning meals. <laughs> the winning meals. Okay. I would say one of the top winning meals is they love tacos, not like a taco bake, but they do love yeah. tacos, you know? Um, and we, so they like tacos. Shepherd's pie was one of the top ones. Chicken and rice. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicken and rice was easy and cheap. And so what Amy didn't say is in the budgeting, what we would do is kind of plan for a really beautiful comfort type dinner and then we would compensate for it with maybe hot dogs or sloppy joes one night of the month 
um, meatballs and mashed potatoes or meatloaf and mashed potatoes was always a big winner. And we always told people a week ahead, next week is meatloaf. <laughs> um, I can, yeah. And that's still in our, in our different locations of Eat, Pray, Love today. Meatloaf brings it home for everyone. So yeah. Um, I guess that's it as far as the food goes, unless you can think of anything else that might be helpful. So she said that we budget from our general budget. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a little bit more these days, but it, we used to budget $12,000 a year. Yeah. Um, and so she would try to do about $200 in food and then the rest would go to other materials we would need, like $200 a week, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the we had no dishwashers anywhere. And so we are completely using paper products and that expense does add up. So, yeah. And so we had to leave an allowance for that. Um, Yeah. All right. So Amy. Yes. Little pieces of advice. Let's say that you um, are thinking that God is calling you to start a dinner church as many of the people listening to this podcast are feeling that. What what's some advice that you would give? I think the first thing of advice I would give is to to really listen to the community that you're going into. Um take the time to find your person of peace um and you know get in a sense of the people that you're going to serve. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would do is I wouldn't go into which I learned from my first meeting. Uh-huh. I wouldn't go into it with saying, okay, we're going to go in. If they don't listen uh, to the Jesus story, they're not going to get food. This is about loving on them first. Um, we want to love on each person that walks in and show them Jesus's love. Um, yeah. They will come to find out that this is church and they will find a family. Um, they will find just a sense of belonging. So I would say is going in as loving and listening and, you know, everything else will, will get there and don't forget to pray about it. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's what I was just going to say. It sounds like what you're alluding to is really the, the circles of fresh expression, you know, the circles of discernment. Um, and we did, Amy makes it sound like we didn't have a huge plan, but we did, we had some good loose goals. And one of our goals was, um, we started in August and we, we said by December, we want to be able to talk about Jesus and celebrate Christmas as a Christian holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so long story short, we wanted to have, I think the goal was like, we wanted to have 60 people yeah. um, by, by Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so that very first Christmas, we had 160 people. Uh, we had a Christmas candlelight service complete with a children's uh, Christmas nativity that Amy mm-hmm. was able to pull off. Um, and the funny part is because we were constantly consulting with God and listening to the Holy Spirit and thank goodness, um, all of these these kind of landmarks of progress, um, with discipleship and talking about Jesus and praying one-on-one, all of those things happened far sooner than we ever imagined that they would. Um, and yeah. And so Amy, one last thing I'd like you to speak about is team. Oh, yes. Tell us, tell us your word about team. 
when it comes to um, teens, it's you can't do it alone. The team that we came together, um, upset on the reach team that Heather was over, uh, we we did life together, and Amen. because we did life together, we were able to, you know, breathe that into other people that we came in contact with. Um, the team was like a family. Uh, we just, I don't know. I can't say enough about teams. You know, sometimes yeah. no one say I could do this myself. No, you need a team. You need a team. You need a team to make it work. You need a team. If you're, you know, you're having a day that's you're not your hundred percent best self that could just lift you up or just say, you know what, we've got this for you. But having yeah. a team truly made a difference in dinner church. Um, I don't think right. it, well, I know it can't happen without a team. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, we have some very, very precious memories from our time out at Suncoast. Um, after about seven years, it came to an end due to some things that were out of our control. It had more to do with the place where we were meeting. Um, but I, I think Amy would tell you that we still hold on to some really important relationships with that community. Um, and it was just a, an incredible time of learning and loving together. And so, Amy, I am so grateful that you um, were such a big part of that time in the Eat, Pray, Love story and journey. And um, I am eternally grateful for you. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you have moved on to and what kind of ministry you're involved in now? I will. Well, first, I am eternally grateful for you, just so you <laughs> know. Uh, you changed my life in so many ways. Um, I have moved on. I am now in care ministries and um, over our special needs ministries at Grace Church here. Uh, we have exceptional entrepreneurs, which is our adult special needs ministries that empower fresh expression itself, right? It is, it is. It empowers people with different abilities to come here and have a purpose and they come to work and it's here on campus now. So they get to interact with Heather and the pastors and, oh, they really, you know, um, they're volunteering and really getting into the ministries of the church. So cool. a lot of Good. cool things happening. Amen. All right, Amy. Again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Um, and we are just grateful for your story and for your advice and your expertise. So I'm going to let you go get back to your other ministry now. Thank All right. you. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. All righty. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your Dinner Church story. You can connect with us over at dinnerchurch.com. It's also where you can find a lot of great resources about how to start or sustain your Dinner Church journey. Dinner Church Podcast is brought to you by the Dinner Church Collective and Fresh Expressions. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers who are passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet new colleagues who become friends, all while eating well, worshiping heartily, and learning tangible practices for building a dinner church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com summit. This season of the Dinner Church podcast is hosted by Heather Evans and J.D. Larson. 
It's edited by Joel Limbowen and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Dr. Verlin Fosner is the director of Dinner Church Collective, and Dr. Chris Backert is the North American director of Fresh Expressions. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and even share this episode on social media. May God bless you as you serve Jesus' kingdom.